there is no time like the 2020s to start a company, to start a startup. You know, with the rise of the internet, you can learn anything at a very low cost, if not for free. You can build anything without needing to know how to code with tools like Bubble and Adalo. And you can get the word out about your products for free by using you know sites like Twitter, Product Hunt, and Reddit. There's no time like the 2020s to build a company. Yet one element of kind of entrepreneurship and company building that hasn't caught up with the times is venture capital. Unless you live you know in San Francisco or New York, chances are you may know what venture capital is, but you may not really know how it works. You may not know who the good VCs are. And you may not know how they think. So with this podcast of Forward Thinking Investors, I want to dive into this world. I want to help anyone in the world understand what is venture capital, who are the great venture capitalists, and how do they think about their day-to-day with the goal to help more people understand how it works so they can go out and raise capital for themselves. And they can build a billion dollar companies just like you know Larry did at Google or Travis did at Uber or Katrina did at Stitch Fix. That can be you, but it just takes some education. And I'm using this podcast as a medium to teach everyone more about venture capital. So if you want to learn about it, you want to dive in, you want to meet some awesome investors, stick around, listen to some episodes, and I, and I hope you enjoy. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Except for today. Today, we are talking to someone on the other side of the table. Today, we're talking to Dave Goldblatt, who's a founding partner at Vibe Capital. Dave, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Going, going well. Good to hear. I think... This episode will be a record for the most amount of times any guest has been on the FTF RSS feed. This will be your third time on the podcast, but this time you were on the other side of the table as, as you know, an investor. So I think to start this whole thing off, um, if you can kind of give just the, the listeners brief overview on like, you know, who are you, what's Five Capital, and just generally kind of what, what, what you're up to these days, and then we'll um, dive deeper into, uh, into you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Clearly, I have nothing better to do than appear on podcasts, so I appreciate you having me on. Uh, so about me, uh, graduated undergrad, then started at Facebook in 2007, uh, doing customer support, was there through 2017. Did a bunch of product, operations, analytics, UX, you, you name it. Um, in end of 2018, beginning of 2019, did a social audio startup. Um, this was before Clubhouse. So uh, it was extremely difficult for us to get uh, any venture capital money. Wound that down, like, basically right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, March 2020, um, had been... Angel investing, um, sort of all the while I was at Facebook and really ramped it up uh, 2020 during the pandemic. Um, I have lots of different interests and um, they intersect and combine in lots of cool and interesting ways. And the best way to get exposure to a broad set of um, subject matter on a on a daily basis is probably by investing. So I decided to just dive in and do a rolling fund. Um, in we first started operation in 
I say we, you know, I'm the, I'm the founding partner, but I'm also the, the solo GP. Although uh, we did bring on uh, one person, his name is Tim. He just started a couple weeks ago. He's helping out with a lot of the, the back office and operational stuff. Shout out Tim. Um, but yeah, just dove in in July. Um, the ro- Matt, are you familiar and is your audience familiar with the, the rolling fund uh, instrument? So I am familiar, but let's assume that we have some people listening that don't know what a rolling fund is. I'm assuming it's not something that you just, you have a bunch of startups, you put them in a little ball, you go to the top of the mountain and you roll it down the mountain, hoping them, you know, giving them best wishes, right? I'm assuming it's no, different. That, no, that's hundred percent correct. Oh, that's then we all know what a rolling fund is. You don't know. So, so yeah. for people, there are, might be some people listening that aren't in the ecosystem. So what is a rolling yeah. fund? It's just the traditional venture model is, oh, I'm going to do a venture capital fund. Um, I'm going to spend six, 12, 18 months raising 20, 50, $100 million. Then I have this big uh, set of money, $100 million in my bank account, and I deploy it over the next three, five, seven years. And then that's fund one, and then then it's done. Um, Rolling fund is cool in that you raised essentially a new fund every quarter. So um, people... Instead of saying, all right, I'm going to write you a check for $100,000, and that's my LP commitment, um, and that's due June 30th, and then you deploy that, you pull it up, and you deploy it over the next couple of years, they say, I'm going to give you $10,000 a quarter for the next 10 quarters, um, and you, you only have exposure to, if you're an LP, to the uh, the companies that the fund invests in in that quarter so let's say q3 i gave you ten thousand dollars you'd have exposure to those companies i sit out q4 uh you and then i come back in in q1 uh you'd have no exposure to the companies that the rolling fund invested in in q4 um it's much easier to get get started whereas you don't need to raise you know 10 million 20 million 50 million right away which I know several people have taken 18 months to raise their first fund. I just wanted to dive in because I saw there was such an amazing opportunity to invest in these companies coming out of COVID and lots of other reasons that we'll get into. Um, And I just wanted to learn and like, I didn't want to just twiddle my thumbs and just be fundraising for a year. So. All right. So that is kind of your journey up until now. So these days, you know, as an investor with the rolling fund, you know, what are you, what are you interested in? Like, you know, there's so much, you know, happening in the world right now. What is kind of piquing your attention and um, kind of how do you think about investment opportunity sectors? Yeah, I can give you a breakdown. This is, this is what's cool about investing. Um, you get to test out your understanding of the world and the market decides if you're uh, smart or an idiot for the most part, Um, although you can get lucky too. So what I really saw, and this is something that's been building up for, I want to say over 10 years, where there's this exponential increase and for people who, you know, um, haven't done statistics or um, maybe are, are less mathematically inclined, you wind up, um, there's a great visualization of like um, 
one drop of water into a hole um, and it fills up the first like, and it's 30 days and the first 29 days, nothing happens. And then the last day it completely fills up. Um, so there's, there's this way in which humans are really bad at exponential thinking and really great at linear thinking, which is, you know, part of what's in why venture capital can be so successful. There are these nonlinear outcomes. Um, but what I saw is really a compounding of multiple forces, which are the Vibe Capital thesis is like there are six different forces, four technological and two uh, sort of macro outside of technology that are happening that are really compounding the exponential change on the world. The two macro things are climate change and demographic shifts. So um, there, climate change, it's just, it's happening. There's going to be ramifications, demographic shifts. I'm sure you heard the term demographics is destiny. Um, most of the people born in the last 10 years are born in sub-Saharan Africa or Southeast Asia. That's just a change in and of itself. And then there's really this maturation of four different technologies uh, powered by the internet, which allow these things to happen. One is Web3 crypto, um, and we can have a conversation about that. Uh, two is genomics and sort of the, the software engineeringification of biology. Three is, is AI and machine learning, which was really hot a few years ago, and now you don't hear nearly as much about it. But I personally think it's like being mad slept on, basically. Uh, and then the fourth is um, the ability to control atoms with bits and the software engineeringification of, of atoms. So, uh, you know, you could call it robotics, call it IoT, but um, there, there's a new renaissance in terms of building uh, and building around atomic uh, pieces and actual matter as opposed to just software. So you combine all these things together and you wind up with just weird shit happening and the downfall and the unraveling of traditional power structures, government, media, large corporations, other traditional power structures and coming out of it there. I think there's personally an incredible opportunity to rebuild society, more equitable, more transparent, more just, um, and just a lot cooler, cooler for everybody. So I know that was a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there, but um, we can and we can dive into any of those those pieces. But that's what has gotten me excited over the past ten years, and I could couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, but now it's 2021, soon to be 2022, and it's it's happening. I think we can all just look and see all the shit that's happening. So. A lot, a lot is happening, um, and that, that I think your your thesis or your thesis um, are, are you know they're all spot on from my perspective. There's one in particular that I want to dive into that I've been grappling with. You probably already you know guessed the one that I'm going to mention, but there's there's you know this whole Web three blockchain decentralized world. You know my perspective on this is like this is undoubtedly the future. Like you know absolutely, but like when like what time? Like my my, my big question is like, is this the time to go all in? Is it time to take a your dip your toe? Is it time to nothing? So I'm curious for you. Like tell me more about your um 
Well, first, what is Web3 in your words and why are you excited about it now? And like, what's your thoughts on just general timing for the adoption of decentralized technology? Yeah, so, and I have a couple uh, talks about this, one in particular around sort of investing in these crypto and Web3 technologies. It seems like it was five years ago because no one had even heard the term Web3 and I call it crypto, but it was like five or six months ago. Um, and the way that I think about these things is the key thing that Satoshi Nakamoto discovered was in order to, um, in order to organize society and you're outside of your tribe from a hundred thousand years ago, where it's a hundred people and you know, everybody, and you can, you can trust everybody in order to organize society at scale you need some form of trust. I need to trust that this person across the world gets my money. So we use a bank, a centralized institution that, you know, it's run by people and it's run by um, groups of people. People are inherently flawed and they're slow. They can't compute things nearly as fast as computers. Same things with governments. Like, how do you, sorry if I'm boring you, Matt, I apologize. Oh, you are you are not boring me. I I I Matt never... just uh, if you're listening, Matt just yawned a little bit. I so. I did I did it, the yawn is a result of not having my second cup of coffee for the day. This is I, on everything you're saying. I mean, like you'll keep going, but like this is like the basis for like so many shifts that are happening in the world right now. Yeah. Like cult- so, so keep going, keep going. So yeah, so society is built on uh yeah like either I trust you because. I believe I have a belief in America or a belief in the Roman Catholic church or a belief in uh, the CCP. Um, And there's also a little bit of a threat of violence too. Like you don't pay your taxes. Men with guns are going to come take it from you. You insult the CCP. They're going to disappear you. Um, So what does it look like if using technology society moved beyond just like you know, groups of people with guns and we used the, and we cut them out completely. And now it's just, instead of group of people over here, group of people over here, we need to come to this like very tiny point of a bank or a government and, you know, slow it down. It's basically like an old road with no, like a cobblestone road versus, um, a now you have a hundred lane highway and you can skip over that road and the people in the institutions that are like that road basically they get cut out and they're no longer uh involved so it's really person to person and group to group and anything that in society that uses a centralized bureaucratic authority they're going to have their doors blown off by Web3. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't say that lightly. It's just the incentives are too good. And the fact that you money is based on trust and there are now financial incentives that are, that are built on these things. It's just like you can't stop humans from being greedy, <laughs> you know?
what what are one, two, three, you know, I'll give you the option, um, projects or companies or, or things happening in Web3 and the world you just kind of outlined that are really exciting to you right now that, that are kind of the, the synopsis of breaking down potential gatekeepers or institutions, you know, building something for the people. What, what are you liking right now? Um, there is, so growing up, I was never really great at math or science, but I was really interested in it. Um, stuff like, you know, far out there science and tech, like quantum computing and, um, you know, I've gotten really into bioengineering and genomics and things like that. I don't know if anybody in your audience has any experience with um, academia and scientific research, but there is, um, uh, have you heard Aaron Schwartz? Have you heard of Aaron Schwartz before? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, he is a person, have you heard of JSTOR before? The, the name rings a bell, but I'm not, I'm not super familiar with. So, so essentially there's all this academic research. I, I'm not sure if you've been to R, R, A, R, X, I, B. I don't know how you pronounce it. Archive or archive. Um, but they have all these, these scientific research papers and all of them, most of them are gated by a paywall. And if you think about how scientists and research is done, it's, you have to be published, you have to have credentials, you have to um, get into a journal. And there are two companies that own all of the research, uh, pretty much in the entire world, all the scientific research in the world. And there's this huge movement, it's called the decentralized science movement, to free this information from these uh, two companies. One is called Elsevier or something. I think they own 70 or 80%. I could be wrong. Uh, just, a, just a quick guess. If you were to say like, I would just want to crowdfund and buy all the research and publish it uh, owned by Elsevier. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. And make it available to everybody in the world. How much do you think that would cost? Uh, I, I, I have no idea. But if I had to just throw out a number, I don't know, like... $10 million, $5 billion, like somewhere in there. $14.5 billion. That's a lot. <laughs> wow. So if you think about what did the experimentation that happened at the beginning of the internet and allowing people to connect with other people and hack on things and remix and build together these Lego building blocks, what happens when one, you free that information from behind a paywall. So instead of maybe at most 100,000 people in the world can access it and you order of magnitude 1,000x or 10,000x, expose that information to everywhere in the world. And you now, uh, by turning this, these, uh, this research into NFTs and you add traceability to like, I'm a scientist, I did this biomolecular research and it could cure blindness. You now give them the opportunity to create an NFT out of that. And anyone who uses that research gives them 1%. Now you have financial incentives as well to, uh, a lot of people don't go into uh, scientific research because it just doesn't pay as well as doing something in the commercial sector. So you have floodgates of information, uh, floodgates of financial incentivization, 
imagine if you're instead of like one mRNA discovery, which is hugely impactful, you now have 50 of those a day. <laughs> that is going to really revolutionize the world. Um, and there are a couple DAOs that I'm in right now. I'm not like a core contributor. Uh, Vita DAO, uh, Open Access DAO, um, a couple couple other DAOs um, that are really pushing forward the decentralized science movement, which I just think is going to be that's how you thousand x or ten thousand x human progress. So, I hopefully I, that was clear. I'm more than happy to dive in if anything was like hazy. Oh no, that's clear. To be honest, that's a uh, use case or realm of Web three that I, I hadn't ever thought about before. And I think you know, it's not at least for me. I don't see it on like Twitter as much. So I think that's like great exposure to something that is so important, um, almost more important than, than most of the things that we're seeing on Twitter um, that, that you're thinking about. It kind of reminds me of just like knowledge in general. There's so much knowledge in the world, whether it's in science or in venture capital or in history or whatever it is that like, you know, it's just passed down through, you know, uh, through through word um, and it's kind of protected. And I think that Web3 and decentralized apps allow this knowledge to be freed, which is something I'm very excited about, too. Cut out the middleman and let it propagate on the alluvial soil of the Internet and you're going to get some crazy outcomes. So there's one more uh, not trend. One more theme of that you mentioned outside of Web3 that I have a question on. And then I'm just going to check. Uh, this was scheduled for 30 minutes. I have a little more time after. Are you good on time or do you need to stop in four minutes? Yeah, no, I'm I'm free. Uh, I don't have anything until later today. So I'm Cool. Fine. Yeah, I'll speed. So one other thing I have a question on is your, uh, I guess, your sixth point, which is, I think, bits controlled by atoms. Um, I know I, Adam's heard, controlled by bits. I, 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 yeah, Adam's controlled by bits. Excuse me. Can you give us an example of what that looks like in practice and just got a little deeper into, into what, what that means? Yeah. So it, this is um, this is something that I think society has not really wrapped their heads around. Have you heard the term the great stagnation? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, where the the world that exists in, existed in 1970 and the world that exists today, 50 years later, software-wise and communication-wise and pure information and bit-wise is massively different. You think about, I live in New York. In, in 1970, I live in New York, and I want to send uh, – a movie or a set of movies to someone in California, you need to mail that to them. And it takes several days. Um, now you can just be like, I'll upload the file to Dropbox or it's streaming on Netflix and it's, it's instant. Um, it's down to a second almost. So that's a thousand X improvement or something like that. But if you want to send um, something like a pallet of lumber or a human <laughs> across from New York to California, basically the same thing as 1970. In some cases, it's actually worse. So if you think about, we still exist for now, mostly in atoms. Yes, we're 
in our phones, in our computers, um, in our VR devices quite a bit, but I'm drinking, I'm drinking a coffee. I have my like headphones on. Um, I had to, to drive to my trainer today. I ordered some stuff online for some Christmas presents a little bit earlier. What happens when you can get that thousand X improvement um, on atoms and all the things that you would you interact with on a daily basis. And I'm sure you've seen 15 minute delivery apps, but like, how do we even cut out the middleman in terms of, can you get like something that just sort of materializes in your home? Um, or you, you can, you no longer have to um, go through a centralized authority. And this is uh, a technology that's going to affect both uh, left-wing thinking, right-wing thinking and everything in between. There, I saw a post recently around, there was a coup in Myanmar recently. And the, did you see that where the woman was like exercising and the military came in and like took out the government? Did you see that video from like six months ago? No, I don't recall. But I do, I do it remember it being a big, I remember hearing about it. I didn't see it myself though. So the, the rebels are now 3D printing AK-40, maybe it's AK-47, some type of rifle to fight against the military dictatorship that took over. So if you think about before 3D printing was available, maybe 20, 30 years ago, the only way, and say what you will about using guns or violence to achieve a political aim, but this is another example of like, yeah, you can transfer, blockchain is taking out the middleman in terms of transferring information and value, but it's not taking out the middleman in terms of, fuck, like Evergrande got stuck in the Suez Canal and now I can't get a Christmas tree or gas or whatever. So the the entire universe of, um, the entire universe of atoms, which is like, 90, 95% of what we interact with, the ability to have this thousand X improvement in terms of achieving outcomes, we're just getting started. Um, I think you're seeing space tech is a big thing. This is just one very small use case where I think Varda like can produce new types of glass, which are much better um, than glass created on earth because they're in the microgravity of space. One of our portfolio companies, Pipe Dream Labs, uh, um, have you, yeah, thank you for the intro. Um, yeah, I freaking, dude, I had, love Garrett, dude. That guy is awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're very much in this space where they are building a set of tubes underneath a city to, oh, you thought like 15 minute delivery times was cool, were cool? How about 15 second delivery times? Um, and you should... Just Google Pipe Dream Labs. Um, they're building some ridiculously awesome stuff where it's like, oh, I want a sandwich from across the city. I don't want to wait 45 minutes. I can get it to you in 45 seconds and it's 10 times cheaper. Um, and again, this like cuts out the middleman where you don't have to have GoPuff or Instacart or Postmates um, and a delivery person where they're trying to buzz you in or whatever. It just goes straight. It's it's the essentially the science fiction version of uh, Star Trek teleportation. You just beam up or a replicator. Just beam it up and I get whatever I want instantly, um, which I like because I'm 
lazy and impatient. So um, this is probably the least mature and will probably take the longest to develop because we don't have the internet can't transport atoms as of yet. Um, so there will be quite a bit of, um, of work to be done here before we really see it take over everything. But I do think in seven to 10 years, it'll be massively, massively different. Shout out to, uh, to um, Pipe Dream Labs, who was uh, number 338 on the Forward Thinking Founders podcast. It's crazy now that we're almost at 800. Uh, you're going to be almost, you might actually, you know, this will be like episode 790 or something like that. Okay, well, my, I have, yeah, I know, so close to, uh, so close. Well, maybe it'll end up being 777. We'll see. I have a bunch in the, uh, bunch in the queue. <laughs> but um. So I guess my, uh, you know, going into like a few, a few more questions, but kind of you know, ending it out, you know, yeah. when you, when you see so there's these spaces that you are thinking about that you think are mm. relevant to the future. And there are millions of founders, obviously probably working on companies in these spaces, but like, you're not, you know, you're not going to back any average founder that says they're working on this. You probably are looking for specific types of like qualities and skill sets and things like that. Can you kind of outline sure. what is a optimal uh, investment for you? Like what, what do you kind of look for when looking to invest in a founder or founding team? Yeah. Thank you for uh, reminding me because I need to write an essay on this. Um, I, I kind of look at it like a barbell. Um, so you know what a barbell looks like where it's very skinny in the middle and there are two protrusions of the plates that, that go up and down. So either it's, it's someone or a team of founders that are extremely, uh, like extremely high expertise in AI and machine learning or genomics or, um, you know, building stuff in space or whatever the case may be, or on the very opposite end of the spectrum, and that's like a very external, uh, explicit sort of set of skills. There is a, um, the founder being someone who um, understands how to um, disrupt themselves and build, uh, just build a, a product and a company and work with a team to align them around um, the, the ups and downs of, of a startup. So an example might be like um, you, you're a startup founder and you um, maybe you're building something in the, um, in the AI space. And I've, I've a founder, we're going to announce this right now, who is a hundred percent like one of the world's leading experts on AI. Um, but, but they have less, less sort of experience in, in building actual products or there are people who are um, I've recognized that in order to actually build anything, be it a startup or a sports team or a symphony, you just need to organize people and get people to work together towards accomplishing a goal. Um, can this person fill Jackson them so that all these different uh, diverse skill sets can build together? I, I mean, I'm sure you're well aware that the number one reason startups fail is because either the founder gets burned out or has mental health issues or a conflict between the, the founders. So how do you uh, how do you identify someone who has that internal maturity and that internal uh, growth mindset of 
knowing how to deal with other humans because unfortunately robots don't exist right now uh, that you can hire startup employees. So it, it's extremely rare to find both. <laughs> uh, I would say Mark Zuckerberg is probably like, he has that deep expertise and deep thinking and also is ridiculously incredible at building, um, building teams. Um, but there needs to be just enough in the middle where it's like, if you've never built a product before and have no idea about, you know, software, like obviously it's going to be a little tough for you, but uh, I want to see the p person spiking either at like your world leading AI expert or you're someone who like, yeah, like I understand that like this is the base of uh, human interaction and this is how I'm going to build my team and conflict will inevitably arise and this is how I'm going to uh, work through these relationships with my co-founder, my early employees. And um, so it, it's a, it's two, two distinct uh, spikes, almost at the opposite end of the spectrum. Totally. I, I, I like that model a lot. It's a good visualization. And if someone wanted to uh, reach out, you know, maybe they think they're on one end or the other, or maybe they think they're Zuck and they're just doing, doing, uh, doing barbell curls with, with it, right? Um, how, how can someone kind of find you, uh, your thesis, kind of all things Vibe Capital and Dave Goldblatt kind of on the internet? Where can they find you online? Yeah, uh, vibecap.co. Uh, there's actually another Vibe Capital that was after our Vibe Capital. I'd just like to point that out. We were first, we called Dibs. So, you know, um, we're still, we're taking them to court or we're going to do a cage match. He hasn't responded to my DM. Um, so vibecap.co, um, that has our one pager, our deeper thesis, our collection of NFTs. Uh, my email is dave at vibecap.co, or um, you can email the team vibes at vibecap.co. Uh, Twitter, at Dave Goldblatt, at vibe underscore cap. Um, we have a little wavy thing as our profile picture. Um, cause that's the vibe. Um, or you can just DM Matt and he'll connect you to me. <laughs> cause I'm sure Matt doesn't have enough founders DMing him. Oh my gosh. That could do a whole podcast just on managing founders. And I mean, I feel like any, it's weird. Cause like I'm a founder, but because of the nature of seed scout, I also like, am kind of like an investor. So I feel like I can feel like a right. lot of the, the problems that investors feel, um, when kind of dealing with uh, deal flow. Well, anyways, um, it's hard being popular, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's what's crazy. It's like, I guess one, one thing I'll say is like similar to you, it seems like, you know, when the pandemic, you started like investing, you know, and then you rented up in the, the rolling fund. And for me, it seems like maybe that was like a trigger for you. Like, oh, like something's going on. Let's like, you know, explore here. For me, it was just like, you know, when the pandemic hit, I don't know, I had maybe like 500 followers or whatever. And I just decided I was going to go parabolic on content. Like the moment the pandemic started, and it's just like the outcome of that, like, holy moly, like, whoa. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. That's, that's what it. Happens. You only had 500 followers in March of 2020. Um, that's I don't. Really I can't. Yeah, well, I definitely had under. I'll, I'll say with confidence, with 100 confidence, I had well under 2,000. Um, in the summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I really wasn't really until I left Prenda. Um or sorry, until I left Publoft. So when I started my job at Prenda, that's when I started being active on Twitter. I, I probably, I only had a, a thousand followers at that point. That was two, two, uh, that was two years ago. So I don't know. Wild. 
wild yeah crazy it was stuff like forever ago yeah it's like time anyway. warp and yeah anyways well dave thank you so much for coming on to the forward thinking founders podcast investor segment uh if anyone's listening to this podcast i highly suggest uh, reaching out to Dave. If you have an awesome company that you're looking for a great investor for, Dave is actually an investor in Seed Scout. He's a fantastic partner to work with. And he's just, uh, just really like has a conviction really early, which is kind of what you want in an investor. So reach out to Dave and um, I'll see you all on the next episode. So thanks all for listening. And Dave, thanks One for coming other thing, on. Yeah. Um, we cat is a rolling fund. So uh, if you are... Unfortunately, you need to be an accredited investor, but we are still we still have space for LPs. Uh, we're we're new, so we're uh, we have capital to deploy, but we could use more. Um, and applications just opened for Q1 of 2022. Uh, we have some cool companies in the pipeline, so uh, more than happy. Or if you know people, one or two people that you think might might vibe with us, uh, might want to be LPs, get exposure to these companies have them reach out to me because uh, we're, we're constrained on, on capital, uh, not on cool companies that we want to invest in. I, yeah, this is like a moment where I like wish I had lots of money. So I could just pour it all into like the companies that you're getting into are just so uh, I think, I mean, I'm biased obviously for one, which is, which is, which is mine, but outside of seed scout, like the companies you're working with, like are freaking rad, man. So I just congratulations on the success so far and looking to see vibe, it kind of grow, uh, grow in the future. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate you outlining your thesis for us. And um Talk to you next time. See ya. All right. Have a good one.